Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podside Picnic, everyone. Uh, as usual, uh, this is Carlo. I'm joined by Pete. And uh, with us today is Coral Alejandra Moore of Constellacion Magazine. Hello, Hi, hello. Uh, you know, I, I messed it up. Now I, I called you Alejandra. It, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Um. You know, so, we we should sometime release an episode which is nothing but clips of us making sure we've got the names right and then screwing them up because <laughs> that's, that is a significant portion of this podcast. <laughs> Extremely just, relatable. Just, oh yeah, with with, uh, with the curb your enthusiasm uh, theme. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just fantastic. Uh, so anyway, welcome. Uh, and, uh, you have a brand new magazine, which issue number one came out, um, earlier this week. Am I mistaking that? No, you are absolutely correct. Uh, I have a new magazine out called Constellacion. Um, the first issue went out to our backers and our Kickstarter, um, backers, uh, on the 18th, which was Monday. Um, and it's been, a, a, an exciting week so far. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> it's it's lovely. Thank um, you. I have a, it, it's not a question, but an observation. Uh, one of the dangers of a themed magazine is like someone will say, well, we're going to make a magazine that is exclusively about science fiction and hats. And what you end up with is like, you can usually do the hats thing, but you can't keep the quality up. But I am stunned. With how you've kept the quality up in this magazine. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate hearing that. Absolutely. Well, I, I was worried about saying it because like if like a, a bad faith interpretation would be there aren't enough good Spanish slash English, uh, you know, science fiction and fantasy works out there. That's not what I meant. I just meant like any sort of theme can be limiting and. Obviously, this one wasn't, or you're a rare talent at digging up the right stuff. <laughs> well, I, I think there was a little bit of a worry when we announced themed issues um, that we were going to get to that place where either we were going to have to use stories that weren't quite on the theme, or that we were going to have to use maybe um, lesser stories for some reason. But uh, we were really impressed. Like the quality of the submissions that we had was super, super high. And um, all of the people we had reading kept saying that they were like, I can't even find a bad story here. And it, it was just really, really impressive in both languages. Oh, that's great. So, um, and, and let's perhaps start at the beginning. So um, if someone's listening <laughs> to our episode and they've, they don't even know what we're talking about, uh, could you explain, you know, what is Constellation Magazine? Uh, and tell us a little bit about, you know, who, who's working on it. Sure. Um, Constellation Magazine is a quarterly bilingual in Spanish and English uh, speculative fiction magazine. Um, all of our stories are presented in both Spanish and English and submissions. Um, we take submissions in both languages also. So that means if we accept a Spanish story, we translate it to English. If we accept an English story, we translate it to Spanish um, and present them both uh, side by side. Um, and part of this venture is uh, aside from me, 
is my co-publisher and co-editor-in-chief, Eliana Gonzalez Ugarte. Um, she is a writer from Paraguay, and she has been like the other half of me in all this and has been really, really um, such a good partner to have. Um, and then we have two assistant editors that kind of came in along the way. Uh, one is Cristina Huardo. Uh, she is a uh, uh, from Spain and Libya Brenda, who is um, from Mexico. And part of what I spoke about, like before we had even announced that the magazine was a thing, was that I found it so amazing to be working with women from all over the world um, doing this because it was just. It, it was just such a joy for me in what was otherwise a terrible time. And uh, it really, it made my 2020 bearable, which I'm so grateful for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's sort of funny because on the, um, on, I think it's on your about us page. It's sort of funny to see like how s sort of around the world, all of you are. Uh, Cause like uh, Christina's in, is it, I, I I hesitate to say Qatar, but uh, maybe the Middle Dubai. East would be Dubai. Yeah, she's that's currently it. located in Dubai, but she's from Spain. Yeah, that's straight off the dome, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and then you know, Libya's in Mexico. Uh, yeah, so it's it's definitely challenging. Did you find it to be challenging to coordinate and have meetings together, or how did you manage that? Uh, that hasn't been terribly difficult. We've done most everything in email, so the delay in times, and there is sometimes a significant one, um, hasn't been as pronounced as it could be. Um, we've only had, I think, three now in-person meetings. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it could be challenging to find a time, because I know um, Christina's time is almost completely flipped ours. So like when it's morning here, it's late at night there. And uh, right now, uh, Eliana is five hours off from where I am. And I think uh, Libya and I are actually in the same time zone. But it, it is a little challenging to like find a time during the day that works for all of us. Yeah, I can imagine. So um, I guess my question, unless Pete has something to, to add... Uh, I th I'd like you to start a question and then I'll sidetrack you. Keep going, man. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, so I guess my question here is, had you had, because I, I think you, 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 you have a story, like an origin story for how this came together. But before that, did you have like an idea in your head that you wanted to see uh, like a, a bilingual magazine? Um, no, not as such. I had kind of been toying with the idea in general of starting a magazine because I really, I love all of the short fiction, um, science fiction and fantasy magazines that are out there. And I have been working on and off, uh, as a volunteer at lots of them. And I have so much admiration for what they do and what they bring to the genre. And I had kind of wanted to do something for a few years, but I didn't really have an idea. And I knew I needed an idea because just starting like a random magazine didn't seem particularly useful. We already have quite a few of those that just do everything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it wasn't until I met Eliana and, uh, there was a, the conversation that I'm sure you're referencing the origin story where uh, Mary Robinette Cole Coal was just uh, offhand saying, I wonder if there's a market for Spanish language fiction in the United States. And I was just like, well, of course there is, there has to be. And it kind of all just grew out of that little comment, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it is, the, it is like the second most popular language in the U S I believe it so. is. And it is the number two country of Spanish speakers. Basically uh, Mexico mm. has more Spanish speakers, but uh, the U S is next. So let me, uh, let me go down to my level for a second. Like in one of the big advantages in reading this for me is that I could take the 12 years of high school and college Spanish. God help me Did that take forever for me and sort of like polish it and, and like, try and try and bring it back like that's nice but like i obviously this was not done for weirdos like me who needed a language jump what's 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 the mission well i think that's part of the mission um and i i don't want to say that 
like that's not part of it because I think it is. I, I think helping people to get back to a language that they used to be a lot more familiar with is definitely part of what we're doing. Um, but the idea that sort of was like, wow, we can definitely do this. Um, we both had stories that we wanted to share with each other, Eliana and I, and share with our families and share with our friends um, in both languages and talked about how that was sometimes difficult because they were only available in one language. So I have a family that only speaks Spanish, so I couldn't necessarily share my stories with them unless I translated them first. Um, and I couldn't share like my favorite stories by my, my favorite authors that were in English with them. Um, so um, I, I feel like that it, that was the, the grand idea behind the whole thing. But as we've talked about it, you know, having people have access to refresh their language is definitely part of it. Um, being used as a teaching tool when teaching either Spanish or English would definitely be something that we would encourage and want to emphasize. Um, we even had uh, a teacher who contacted us um, to ask permission to use our sample issue, which was available on our website uh, for a few months last year. Uh, it's still there. Um, but she wanted to use it to teach. Um, she was teaching uh, Central American writers how to write in English. Um, and when I read that, I was like, that is amazing. That is exactly what we wanted. Um, so I would say all of those things are part of the mission. I, you know, when I throw a question like that, it either like it, it, it falls like a rock or goes somewhere great. <laughs> that went somewhere great. Thank you for playing ball. That's no problem. That's lovely. Well, and I, I believe is it um, you have one of the stories in the first issue that um, I, I I hesitate because it's the. Um, Oh shoot! You know I'm blanking on the name right now. the The one with the the woman who uh, keeps on corresponding with mm -hmm. the mountain deity. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's called it, Emilia. That's it, Emilia. I am sorry about that. It's okay, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's funny because uh, that author is where where is that author from uh that author is chilean and i believe right now she lives in canada i think oh, that's interesting yeah then there are a lot of people involved that are like that you know they started out in bolivia and now they live in spain or you know just all sorts of different places um and that's been really interesting to see too right well i mean i was also thinking about the 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 intersection of like how many because you you mentioned quite rightly that perhaps the us has uh the second largest number of spanish speakers but it's sort of funny because a lot of latin america has spanish is sort of like a a main language or an official language but then there's so many you know indigenous people you know that that live there where there is going to have there is going to be that other access like spanish is their main like their their main access or the official access that they know and it's just sort of funny to me because of the translation question that you're you know the translation idea that you had and you were expressing earlier i'm not sure if i'm expressing all of this correctly but it just i i had the thought in my head and i got excited about it <laughs> yeah no Welcome you're absolutely world, right buddy. A lot of a lot of the the South and Central American countries have other languages, um, and that was something we had talked about pretty early on that we would eventually like to include if possible. Um, you mm. know, like maybe poetry in indigenous languages and translate that both to Spanish and English. Um, we would have to do a whole other mission on finding translators for that because right now most of our translators are just Spanish and English translators. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a place that we would love to go eventually because I think it would be really rewarding to allow people to write poetry or sh flash fiction in their native languages and then have that be translated to Spanish and English both. Can I, can I do like the world's shortest digression that ties into this and excites me? Um, <laughs> in in the Philipp I'll, I'll just do it. I'm sorry, guys. You, you can always demand it be cut off. <laughs> but in the Philippines, there are subdialects that were created because there were regions where Spain decided that people were not allowed to speak native languages, but they didn't teach them Spanish. 
And so <laughs> dialects were developed that were essentially nonsense words that sounded Spanish. Hmm. And I, I'm, I'm, would that qualify? I guess is what I'm asking. I don't know why I'm asking, but it just sort of connected. Um, that's really fascinating. I didn't actually know that about the Philippines, but it it makes sense. It makes sense as something the Spanish might have done. Oh. Um, and <laughs> I, I so currently the way we have the magazine um, focused is for Latin America and the Caribbean specifically, which would not include the Philippines. However, sure. um, since we kind of made that our sort of vision statement, I have thought about the Philippines because it seemed like also a member of that same weird club uh that all the other places were including are so i don't know it, it definitely could um or would be something that we would consider down the road for sure um it's an interesting story about how we decided to include the caribbean and that was kind of just like another conversation that we were having one day because um the way we had it structured originally was just latin america and that was interesting but then we started talking about places like Puerto Rico, which is where my family's from. And, you know, that's not it is technically considered part of Latin America, but then like the island right next to it, Haiti is not considered part of Latin America. <laughs> and that's just because of who they were colonized by. And that seems really strange to me because they're the same people. They're just, mm -hmm. they just happen to speak a different language now. And so we were like, no, screw that. We're definitely going to include the Caribbean, even the parts that aren't traditionally considered Latin America, like uh, Trinidad and Tobago and Haiti and Jamaica, because we're all from the same people originally. And it seems ridiculous to draw those lines where colonial powers drew those lines um, and totally not what we were about. So yeah, I, uh, it's very, it's a, an interesting conversation to have. And it's one of the most interesting conversations we've had, I think. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, yeah, it's sort of weird because also it's, you know, like initially it was all part of you know, like, for for whatever you know what it's worth i guess it was all part of the spanish colonies and then slowly as the, it was rather recent the the makeup of how the caribbean looks right so uh, yeah, uh, and there's places um, like uh, Trinidad where they can literally see Venezuela, but they're not considered to be the same people that are in Venezuela. <laughs> and you're mm. like, well, that's a little weird, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's very strange. Um, and and as we learn more about like how things happened in the Caribbean and stuff like that, it's just very strange altogether. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So. Um, I guess my because we've been sort of talking about it. I guess the my question about is or my questions about translation and you know what what challenges did you find in trying to find to translate and find translators that could then work with the stories that you were looking for. Uh, well, we thought originally that finding translators was going to be very difficult. Um, but as soon as we kind of put up on our Twitter and on our webpage that we were looking for translators, like we had, so on our official list of translators right now, we have 43. And then there are people who have come in since we kind of cut it off and said, okay, wow, we have lots of translators. There have been, you know, another 10 or so that have come in since then. And we were like, well, okay, we have enough for now, but we'll keep you on the addendum list uh, for later. Um, so that was really quite surprising to me um, because I thought that was going to be a struggle. Um, but as far as challenges go, I think the biggest one uh, that we discovered and didn't really think about in the beginning was is just the logistical one so then for every story you have an author and you have a translator and you have you know files that are going back and forth and emails that are going back and forth and contracts that you have to have signed and payments that have to go out and just handling all of that administrative work um takes up a lot of time a lot more than i thought was going to be necessary um, so that I think is the, the biggest challenge about having sort of a second, a secondary group of people that you're working with in addition to just the regular authors. Because normally the kind of editorial conversations that happen just happen between the editor and the author and you just kind of go back and forth a handful of times and then you decide, okay, this is the final version of the story. But when you're doing a translation, 
the translator talks to the author if they have, you know, voice specific questions. But then if they have grammar specific questions, they ask the editor. And then the three of you or four of you in our case kind of have to all go back and forth and decide what is the way you want to phrase this thing. Um, and that can be um, sometimes about a single word. Um, mm -hmm. And and we had, I think, a week-long conversation about the use of one word. And if you had asked me six months ago if I was ever going to do that, I would have told you absolutely not. But it is something that definitely happens when you're dealing with translation issues. Um, so that's been very eye-opening and very interesting to me. I, I've got a goofy one, and I, I actually want to ask this of both of you. Uh, uh, in this first issue, what's your favorite story title? Because I've, I've got far and away a winner. Um, title, like specifically titles. I mean, I guess that's got to be Malka Older's story, just because the yes. title is like so... <laughs> <laughs> strange and like when you read the title before you read the story you're like what is even going on here but then once you read the story of course you understand why the title looks that way um because the main character and the narrator is an academic and it's kind of supposed to be an academic paper and everything um but yeah that's the most interesting i think of the titles for sure oh, would do uh could you read it off to the the audience? You know it off the top of your head. Oh, just... I don't. I would have to go look it up because <laughs> there's a I, lot I of have... words. I know the short title is the Badger's Digestion, which is the easy yes. part to remember. But then it's like uh, an a first hand first account of an heroine. It. Oh, see, I lost it already. I, I, I have it. I have it here. I have it here. Okay, okay, go ahead. The Badger's Digestion. Or the first first-hand description of Dineskin Beastcraft by an Alwyn researcher. And if that's not a mouthful, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you, that story could have sucked and I would have still liked it. I mean, that <laughs> that is a hook title as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> um, that story actually uh, was our... Uh, commission story like it we knew in advance that that story was going to be well okay not that particular story but we had asked malka older before we announced our kickstarter uh if she would like to um submit uh, a story uh for that first issue so we had talked to her in advance about what it was going to be about what the issue was going to be and about you know possibilities for her story um but when i started reading that one I, i've read some of malko's other work and i was like this is so different from anything that i've read from her and i really kind of love it um so i was really pleased with that story because we didn't know what we were going to get um and then when we got that we were like this is so perfectly themed for us and also so like deliciously different from anything that she has ever published that I've seen anyway. Excellent. I, I, uh, I have to admit that, um, I really, uh, I mean, that does take the cake for like a great title. <laughs> <laughs> All credit to her for that one. Like we didn't have anything to do with that. It came with that title. <laughs> no, no, exactly. But, uh, I did, I did, uh, I remember I was just reading uh, my mother's hand mm -hmm. and I remember like having that moment of disorientation is like, why is this struck? Like, why is this struck out? And then slowly the mystery starts unraveling, like opening up and blooming. It's really great. Mm -hmm. It makes uh, the mean, story itself an artifact. I thought that was such a clever device and like, honestly, clever devices are not everything at all, but when used well, it's so exciting. Yeah. I mean, I'm ranting, I think, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's it's all good. I think the 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 thing that you're you're absolutely right, Pete. I also think that it's it's an artifact that speaks to an underlying conflict that you're not immediately aware of at the beginning, and I think that's what really drew me in. But uh, yeah, we're 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 now going into uh, you know, which stories did we love and so on and so forth. <laughs> Yeah, which I know it's 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 sort of probably not uh, the greatest greatest thing for you as the editor because then you know it's like having children. You can't have <laughs> I a have child. said more than once I love all my story stepchildren equally. <laughs> exactly. This is fair. Yes. I <laughs> However, mean, um, I do particularly love Dante's story by Mother's Hand. I uh, 
I we've had conversations about that story because the strike through thing is very challenging to present um, in text. Uh, it, you have to come up with workarounds because text doesn't want to do that very easily. Um, and a, a, quite a few times we were like, if we didn't love this story quite so much, this would be really annoying, but I love it. So it's okay. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think it really works. And and I think like, as I was reading it, I had to sit down and sort of like absorb it for a bit. Um, and I realized that, yeah, the, the strike throughs and all that stuff is actually very important. Mm-hmm. And it's actually part and of I, the story, which sometimes yeah. those artifacts are not part of the story in a, in an integral way. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess maybe we can veer back to perhaps, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about individual stories or you want to, uh, go ahead and go off in your own direction. Uh, Coral, but, uh, I, I do know. have a structure question that's probably obvious and thus can be dismissed quickly which is um, I noticed that sometimes the English versus the Spanish were in different order. And I'm assuming the first iteration was as written by the author or is it mm-hmm. random? Yeah. Okay. So the way we present it in the, the magazine, <clears throat> excuse me, is the original language that the author wrote in is first. And then the translation is second, no matter which way that was. So the ones where you see the Spanish first were originally written in Spanish. I mean, I, I I figured that was the the order, but yeah, thanks, Pete. Uh, that that does answer a question. Yeah, that, we went back and I forth quite had. a bit on how we were going to present that because, again, this is one of the challenges of this magazine that not every magazine has. Um, at one point, we were going to do it like two separate magazines, so have one English one and one Spanish one. Uh, we even thought about selling them separately for people who wanted them that way. Um, but we kind of uh, we went through all of those choices and very very. Uh, like probably last week is when we finally settled on, we're going to present the stories together um, with the author's original first and then our translation right after it. Um, And yeah, that was probably like, I'm not really even exaggerating 12 days ago that we decided that for final. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that wasn't stressful at all. (laughs) No, no, not at all. I, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I remember talking to Eliana because she does all of our like layout and formatting and all that stuff. She's much more the the technical side of the house, and I'm more the organizational side of the house. And uh, I was like, "Well, what are we doing with it? Are we?" She's like, I, "I'm I'm still looking at it. I'm uh, putting it in different orders. I need to like see it." first all of the different ways before we decide on something and i was just constantly like what are we doing what are we doing oh no what are we doing (laughs) and uh so yeah it was very very much uh an idea that evolved kind of on its own and i actually really like it this way um we may change it at some point but i think it I think it does two things that we always wanted to do, which was present the English and the Spanish stories together as as one offering and also kind of preserve the original author's intention as I don't want to say superior, but like the original Um, and that those things to me are both really important. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Also, uh, I'm going to guess. This is only uh, at the moment. It's only in uh, electronic format, right? Correct. Um, funny you should ask because Eliana started talking to me four days ago now about do we want to offer print offerings, and it had never really been something we had thought about. But um, it, it's possible. We're in the we're in the discussions phases, so we'll see. There, there might be. Either something like a best of edition at the end of the year, maybe, or we'll start offering each issue. We're not quite sure yet. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I I just was wondering because part of, I guess, part of the um, uh, the the ease of being able to sort of typeset this and everything like that um, is probably because it's electronic. But once you go to uh, a, a physical format, I, I'm guessing that sort of locks in certain things, or then you have a different format of the magazine that then may look different than the digital aspect. 
For um, sure. Um, I, I think that is something we haven't actually, because we're kind of in the very earliest stages of talking about print, that's not something we actually know about yet. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the the formats are very different between English and Spanish. And, you know, there's lots of things like accents um, that present their own challenges when you're trying to make a single document with both of them in there. Um, right. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess, uh, and, and I, I remember, I full disclosure, I, I helped with the Kickstarter. I, I helped fund it. Uh, but how was that? Because I, I, I don't know that I've ever heard sort of like a behind the scenes uh, <laughs> accounting of how uh, is it you know, either white knuckle panic or just elation or perhaps a combination of both of just running the Kickstarter and, and so on. How did that work out for you? Uh, I think it is definitely a combination of both. Um, we, we talked to quite a few different people who had run Kickstarters before we, uh, we started doing this because, you know, we had a lot of ideas and we wanted to know, you know, kind of what works and what doesn't work. And, I remember everybody telling me, don't worry when you get to the second week and it doesn't look like you're going to make it. And no matter how many times people told us that, which was quite a few, when we got to the second week and it didn't look like we were going to make it, I was like so freaked out. (laughs) And I don't think there's any number of people telling you that that's going to happen. But when you're looking at the page yourself and you're like, wow, I can do the math and it doesn't look like we're going to get there. Right, right. Um. (laughs) And uh, so that part is very white knuckle. Um, It's really exciting, too, because you you get to see the people who are excited about it, you know, and you get to see people who are retweeting it and posting it. And you get to sometimes see people who, like, you've always admired who are excited about this project you're working on. And so that part is really, really great. Um, and I think this entire process can be summed up with both exciting and terrifying in almost equal measure. <laughs> a lot of aspects of it are like that, including like our release this week. Like Eliana and I were talking on Monday and we were like, okay, we're going to do this. And we were like, are we going to do this? Is, is, is this okay? <laughs> and, you know, we, we did kind of a back and forth for about a half an hour, reassuring ourselves that everything was going to be fine <laughs> and it was going to be good. <laughs> 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 That's great. Um, I did want to point out that, uh, and and for anyone who's listening to this, uh, they should definitely check out the web page because it, it it is very. It's a beautifully. I, I have to commend you. The 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 web page is not only beautifully like laid out, and I like the the watercolor motif and like all the all the different things but you also have like a little tab with accessibility which is as someone who works day to day with accessibility issues not necessarily code but uh document um testing and whatnot that is a sincere plus i i have to admit um had you had you thought about this all uh, from the get go? Like this was, I'm going to guess that you had sort of planned everything out regarding the 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 site. Um. So we kind of had. Uh, so one of the things really early on that we decided to do was actually hire somebody to make the website for us, and mm. that was not because either of us couldn't do it because either of us could have done it, but because we wanted to offload that work onto someone else because it was something that could be handled by someone else. Um, And that was really important, especially early on for me to establish kind of boundaries because Eliana was taking on a lot of work on herself. um, And while she could certainly have made the webpage herself, and I could certainly have made the webpage myself, uh, we hired uh, uh, a a person that we found on a, a different website, um, and her name is Jeslenny, um, and I'm pretty sure she's linked somewhere in the website if you look her up. Uh, I think her company is called Jeslenny Designs. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so we ha- we brought her in to do kind of the uh, infrastructure work for the web page to like. Uh, build it up. And then, you know, we had a, it, 
we had a few discussions along the way because Eliana is very passionate about uh, about layout and about the way things look and about the aesthetics. And uh, at one point, I, I think Jesleni came back and she was like, I feel like we need to have a discussion because you guys know a lot about this. And I feel like maybe you didn't need me to do this. And so we had to have a whole discussion about that too. And we were like, no, no, we need you to do this. But we also have very... Uh, firm ideas about how we want things to look. Um, and so that was uh, an interesting process too. Hmm. Yeah. I, 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 you're absolutely correct. It's down at the bottom. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Just I, and it's, yeah, it, it's great because she's, uh, she's Dominican as well. So I, yes. it, it's sort of great that you were able to find sort of Spanish speaking and, or, you know, Latinx people to sort of, uh, address every part of the of the magazine, which yeah, you know. she helped with a lot of our Spanish uh, like copy editing on the web page too. You know, she helped us oh, wow. figure out how to phrase things, and, and because that was like the first challenge of the whole thing was when we were making the website, we obviously had to make two websites um, because we wanted to translate it, and we didn't want to just have like Google Translate do it for us. We wanted to make oh, it no. kind of uh, <laughs> personalized in that way. Um, so yeah, that that was part of what we had her work on, and uh, she was very helpful. And uh, yeah, we, we tried to, when we were making the team, we wanted to do things. We tried to go out and find as many uh, Latinx people as possible because that was how we wanted wanted to, you know, kind of, we wanted to put forward, uh, that energy basically. Yeah. I could see that. that, that it's, it's great. Uh, it's, it's sort of interesting to see like every tiny little bit, you know, a lot of attention to detail, which obviously, you know, that you, you sort of expect, but you don't, you know, it's not always front and center, like right in front of your eyeballs. Um, so yeah, kudos for that. The issue um, I'm having right now is that at work, I work with projects all the time and, you know, Six Sigma Lean and all that. So all of my reactions to this stuff like are positive, but they're horrible. I'm like, oh, that's good project management, blah, 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 blah. And I just want to cut my brain out, man. It's just, <laughs> but it's, I mean, I, I think, I think it's really smart that you were able to like find the things you love with this and figure out how to get someone to do the things that you don't want to concentrate on. I mean, that's, that's, that's how you keep something like this going, like keep keeping that joy alive. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I did want to ask you because I, I forget, I, I believe you have a thematic animal for every year of, of the magazine. Is that correct? That is the plan. But since this is the first year, we only have one so far and it's the capybara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, t talk to us about the capybara. How? I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a, um, it's an Amazonian. Is it Amazonian? I think it's like throughout uh, most of the uh, Latin America. Is mm -hmm. that correct? I think most of South America. I'm not sure about Central America, but definitely they're they're pretty mm -hmm. uh, widespread in South America for sure. Yeah. So I guess. I mean, obviously, the thing that comes to mind is it's in Latin America, so you wanted a Latin American animal sort of to represent it. Was there any other sort of um, idea behind that? Uh, yeah, I think from like a conceptual. Yeah, I, oh, I think ahead. there there definitely was. I mean, so I, I don't remember when exactly we decided on the capybara, but we we liked a lot of things about the capybara, which is. Like, when you see pictures of the capybara, they're always very relaxed. Like, you've never seen a picture of an ang anxiety-ridden capybara. That just doesn't happen. <laughs> so, we, when we were doing this last year, we were like, wow, the world is on fire. What kind of energy do we need? Oh, the capybara energy of everything is fine, no matter what. I'm going to sit in my pond, and everything will be great if I just sit here calmly and, you know, <laughs> not let anything bother me. And then there's the other aspect where, like, everybody is friends with the capybara. You know, you see the pictures of, like, the cats on capybaras and the birds on capybaras and the monkeys on capybaras. And capybaras, everybody loves them. Um, yeah. So that was also, like, kind of a, a friend sort of motif also. So I think it worked on a couple of levels for us, which is why we went with the capybara. Um, on yeah. our Patreon page, we've got tiers for some of the other uh, animals that will likely be our future animals, but we haven't picked like the 2022 animal yet. <laughs> I'm you just imagining. The, the, the wiki page for capybara is, is unintentionally funny. 
I, I went there to check out the location, but like they, they've, they've got a picture of one and then below it, they have the conservation status. So you've got a picture of a lounging capybara and then below it, it's like least concern because they're not threatened. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's that picture that is probably a little iconic by now, where it's like the capybara and then just hanging with like an entire like uh, I don't know what you'd call it. It's not a herd, but a group of caimans, and he's like just just standing there. Yeah, look, <laughs> this isn't a problem. Just... They're not going to eat me. Why would they eat me? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> just you know, hanging out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they're always so unconcerned, and I'm sure evolutionarily it's probably a terrible thing, but like it's just so funny. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, I think that uh, given the fact that they're like four feet in length and like a hundred something pounds, at, at least a hundred something pounds, they're probably not very. <laughs> they're not something that uh, most things in South America would probably try to hunt. Unless yeah. you're a jaguar, I guess. I think they're the largest rodent in the world. Yes, I believe I believe you are correct on that one. And uh, that's kind of interesting because usually when you think of rodents, they're like you know tiny. They they fit in your hand or or whatever. And this one is just like a giant freaking rodent. <laughs> it's an rous. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he is nice and much. Uh, that, that's a good. That's a good tie-in. <laughs> <laughs> But but not quite as aggressive as the ones in Princess Bride. Right. Those were like uh, uh, rabid capybaras or something. Well, you know, when, when capybaras do this, they're very upset. So, mm -hmm. um, Like once you finally get the, the capybara angry, that's what happens. They hulk out. <laughs> they hulk out, yep. Um, but yeah, so uh, – and I guess you've been talking about it. Did you want to talk a little bit more or expand anything on, you know, like the – uh, getting the first issue out because it sounds like it was right up until the wire and then you <laughs> then it happened <laughs> yeah yeah a little bit um so <laughs> we had our kickstarter in october and uh when when we were planning all of this, we had originally wanted to do our Kickstarter like in uh, the same weekend as Worldcon. Like we we Oof. were both going to go to Worldcon and we were going to you know talk about it there and and try to generate some interest or whatever. But then we found out that Uncanny launched their Kickstarter that week, mm. and. So we were like, well, we don't want to launch at the same time as Uncanny. And then I think there was another one that happened. And like, so by the time there was a free space in like the, the Kickstarter, I don't know, line, it, we were in October. Um, and we had already talked about how we didn't want to open our... Um, open our submissions until we were pretty sure that our Kickstarter was going to fund. Um, so we knew that we weren't going to have our submissions open until probably like halfway through October, um, which meant that we didn't have, we didn't close submissions until November, which means we were still reading stories uh, into November. And we had planned on releasing this issue in January. Like that was what our announced timeline was. Well, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And then what happened was we got over 400 stories in our open submission period. Wow. Okay. And we were like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so that that took a lot longer. Everything took a little bit longer than we had originally intended. Um, and so everything got uh, – like we had originally wanted our contracts to go out. Um, I think it was the second week of December. And we ended up not sending out contracts until like the last week of December. It might actually have been literally the last day of December when I finally sent out contracts. Oh, no, that can't be. It must have been the week before. It must have been uh, Christmas um, when I was sending out contracts for uh, the the translators. And so we were like and, – and we we were in contact with them because we have a Discord where we uh, invite our patrons and all of our uh, translators to hang out. And so we've been telling them all along, okay, you know, it's been delayed, uh, going to be a little longer. Uh, we still haven't decided on which story <laughs> – we still haven't even decided which stories we're going to publish and how many. Um, we'll let you know. And we did that like three times throughout December. And uh, we kept pushing it and pushing it. And finally, we were like, okay, uh, here you are. L let's get all this done. And it was, I think, our official deadline to get the stories back from the translators was like 
January 8th or something like that. Um, and <laughs> so, yeah, we were doing everything last minute, including layout. Um, Eliana was literally working on layout the same morning that we finally uh, released everything. We ended up releasing pretty late. Um, but yeah, everything was really, really compressed. And we knew it was going to be because we had pushed our Kickstarter back further than we wanted to. Um, and, but, and then there was the holidays and then there was the election and then, yeah, just like (laughs) everything that could have possibly happened did. Um, and so, yeah, we were working really, really late on doing that. Um, and because we wanted it to be, you know, this was going to be our first one and we knew a lot of people were going to be looking at it as an indication of what was going to come in the future. So we didn't want it to seem rushed, even though we were rushed. Um, so that was really, when I, when I said this week was interesting, it was kind of like a, a relaxation of three months of stress that had happened previous. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I can imagine. So, yeah, yeah. Um, did you have anything else, Pete? Um, I, I, in this particular episode, I sort of feel like you're it's like we're a pair of 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 radio hosts and I'm the I'm the goofy one. You, you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's like I, I, I read the stories and I love the stories, but I, I also sort of felt like uh, the exploration of the deeper issues I didn't feel qualified for as as uh weirdo in Topeka who's who's doing this just because he loves science fiction and fantasy so much. So that was a very long path to say, no, I don't. But I do want to emphasize again, Carl, like this magazine is superb and I cannot wait for the next issue. I'm going to devour it. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Yeah, same here. Same here, honestly. Did you have anything that you wanted to uh, talk about? Uh, I actually, I have a question for you, which is like, let's say somebody logs into, to this and listens to this episode and they're like, this sounds pretty good. How do we get their magazine and how do we give you money? Would you be willing to lay that out? Sure. Uh, the, uh, so we have two websites, as I said. We have one in Spanish and one in English. And the English one is constelacionmagazine.com because we love Spanglish very much. And the <laughs> Spanish one is Revista Constelacion, uh, which is basically just backwards and in Spanish. Well, I guess it isn't backwards in Spanish. Anyway, <laughs> um, so both of those, uh, those two pages are mirrors of each other just in, in the other language. But uh, on our webpage, we have an issues page, which will always have, you know, our most current issue, which currently is issue number one. And there are various ways that uh, anybody can support us. We have a Patreon, um, which I mentioned earlier, it's uh, connected to our Discord. So uh, one of the benefits you get for being in our Patreon is being in this Discord, which is uh, beautifully bilingual and in a way that I hadn't expected, but probably should have. Um and so I, I tell a lot of people, like, it's a really great way to practice your Spanish if that's something that you want to do. Um, so that is probably the one I recommend the most. Um, we also have subscriptions available uh, paying through PayPal um, uh, on waitlist books. And uh, we have individual issues that you can buy through uh, Amazon as well on there. And they're all kind of linked on the issues page. Excellent. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I'm out of stuff. Uh, how about yeah, you, mean, Carl? I mean, honestly, I, I do want to say that if anyone's listening to this and you haven't really, you, you don't really think that this is for you, just buy one of the issues. Honestly, the the layout, the individual art for each story, it's all beautiful. It has a, a very sort of watercolors uh, feel to it. It's just great. And uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. So, uh, I mean, that's me putting putting my own like uh, you know my my own interests because I I really want Constellation to be around for a long time. 
Thank you. Because I, I have had, I mean, honestly, I've had this question in my head for several years, you know, where is the sort of Spanish language or Latinx science fiction? And Constellación is one of the places for sure, uh, outside of, you know, Latin America and, and Spain. But uh, it, it's great to see this take off. And I hope that you're around for a long, long time. Um, one of my favorite things uh, in this whole process, uh, just kind of going back to the stories in general for a quick second, um, like I feel like the diversity of stories within this one issue is really something that I, at least I haven't seen very often in other magazines. Um, because there are just very, very different kinds of stories told from all kinds of points of view. And I feel like that is what we are going to try to emphasize going forward, too. So I, I feel like that is a little bit of something extra that we do in addition to, like, everything is in Spanish and English. Yeah. That sounds great. All right. Um, anything, anything you wanted to uh, talk about before we wrap it up? I Good. don't think so. All right. I think that's been great. Uh, Pete, you don't have anything else, I'm guessing? Oh, uh, no, no. I, I, I rolled over and died with my with my previous statements. I'm <laughs> I'm out of stuff, but thrilled we had this conversation. Uh, if, if, if there's ever an author involved in this that uh, would would like promotion and discussion with our audience, we'd certainly be thrilled to do it. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass that yeah, along. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And if, I mean, obviously you're, you have a very busy schedule, but obviously if you want to come back, uh, oh, yeah. that is an open invitation for you as well. Uh, so, and serious and, and silly. Like if you, if you're like, you know, I've been doing this for ages. I want to talk about RoboCop for 45 minutes. Like we are down. I would love to talk about RoboCop for 45 minutes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. We, we'll, we'll put you down. And, and, and I'm sorry. This uh, And of course, this also, this invitation extends out to your co-editors and, and other staff on the, on the magazine if they are able to, if we're able to coordinate something. But, uh, you know, as, as we, you'd mentioned before, it, it is, <laughs> it can be a challenge. It can. Uh, be, yes. <laughs> but we can figure something out, I'm sure. Uh, in any case, I do want to thank you for coming on. Uh, and uh, we'll, we, we may reach out to you regarding RoboCop later. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, You're no, very we're welcome. doing it, it man. Was fun. That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I think so. All right. And then. Um, uh, or you could also uh, you know, call your shot and tell us what you if you'd rather watch something else and we'll talk about it. That's for sure. <laughs> no, I would love to talk about RoboCop. Actually, my husband and I had a really cool conversation about how the dystopia we're actually in is RoboCop. <laughs> yeah, Let's, that's not bad. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that right now. <laughs> yeah. oh, when they Save referred to the DC as the green zone recently, that's when the pit hit my stomach. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, God. exactly. Well, you know, the green zone, it's not just for Baghdad anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we are importing our own terror, and I am doing what I'm trying not to do on this show. This is an escape for people. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, let's let's embody the capybara before we go. Exactly. Okay. Just, yeah, deep breath. Just be chill. All right. And with that chillness, we will bid all of you adieu. Thanks again, Coral, for coming on. Uh, and as usual... We'll see you next time, folks. 